Good morning, wonderful people. Welcome to my channel, Rahu and Ketu Study Part Twelve. Why should you study this Rahu and Ketu? Just a personal questions I want to leave you with to think about first. Why should you study this Rahu and Ketu? Is it even real? Is it just a hogwash? That I leave it to you. But the fact that you are touching this knowledge, I urge you to take it more seriously than you think right now. Does Rahu Ketu play an important role in my life? It does. Can I change it? Can I change the way I function in Rahu and Ketu once I know it? No, you can't. It's a lesson for life. You're working this puzzle through your life, through your entire life. Can I work with it if I know what is there? Yes. That's where I'm coming from. That's why I'm sharing all this knowledge with you. Okay. This entire channel is about empowerment. It is not about trying to get one thing right and one thing wrong. It's not about wrong and right. It's not about good and bad. It's about getting to know who you are first. Yes, you can work with it. That's the good news. Yes, you can get to know yourself better. Your obsessions, your compulsions, your desires, your drives, your subconscious desires. It's far better, far, far better, trust me, than the Freudian psychology. That seems like child's play compared to what Vedic astrology and the ancients in this land called India told us. In fact, when I, the more I research Vedic astrology and how, how deep it is, it surprises me how much there is a difference between how the ancients in India, in this land, lived outrageously truthful compared to how the current people in the subcontinent are. It's like, are these even those Indians or is there some, some other people who lived here? It's that vastly different. Vastly different. These people were bold. They were outrageous in their research. They were they wanting to see the truth beyond everything. And that's because the Kundalini of the planet was here all this time. Now it's shifting to Latin America. So things will change. And so I bring this knowledge for all you young folks that's what I'm interested in working with is to understand beyond the mythology, beyond the tale telling, beyond just the traditional approach. There's nothing wrong with the knowledge. It's who touches it. It's always that. Please bear that in mind. It's never the fault of the knowledge, but who, what kind of mind is participating in that knowledge. Think about that. Think about how the world is today. Is the knowledge bad? No. Are the people who are doing, making wrong use of things? Uh, that's the problem right there, right? Okay, that is a personal note. Now, Rahu and Ketu study part 12 is about now we have arrived at Rahu going into Anuradha Nakshatra, right? So let's begin the study and I will, as usual, cover the introduction to what the hell this Rahu and Ketu is all about. What's the big fuss? So let's see what the traditional texts say, what the modern interpretation is and how we can work with it later on in the pie chart. Okay, so let's start. So number one, the classical characteristics of Rahu and Ketu as described by the classical Vedic literature. Okay, what is Rahu and Ketu? These are the north and the south nodes of the moon formed by the virtual points which are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the earth and orbit of the earth around the sun. So basically, if you take two eclipses, ellipses, it will form two intersection points. Yeah. So these 
two intersection points are called the north node and the south node they are virtual nodes although they behave like planets and we shall see why in a minute so who is rahu the symbols are there like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe right this is typically how it is portrayed in western astrology so i'm using the same symbol here rahu is mythologically depicted as the severe head of a demon symbolizing constant endless insatiable hunger and appetite be it sensual or physical yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it rahu is the one who constantly wants something think of it as a live head only not the body okay so it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing since it has no arms or body or stomach right? just a head which is alive this gives rahu the title of bhoga karaka or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits so think any earth sign for example they want sensory materialistic pursuits or think any of the signs literally whatever they are after rahu wants that and wants that very badly and goes after it with everything this is an energy in us by the way it is not a planet it's a virtual node but it will behave like a planet which we shall see why so it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything even though it gets something it wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next this is why rahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in why because of that insatiable hunger there is always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it that's rahu ketu on the other hand is mythologically depicted as the severed body the remaining half of the demon symbolizing constant endless insatiable search for identity it is looking for the head but it doesn't have a head so it is looking for that identity everybody's identity ego is centered in the head what you look like right it is also seeking for true purpose sense of self as a result of this it tries to hold and grab on to everything that it can find its hands on because it has got hands ketu has got hands it's trying to hold on to everything but it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head it's like trying to grasp on to everything thinking oh i want this or i am this i am that i am this not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there since it has arms and walks everywhere it goes around through life walking from place to place people situation circumstances but not knowing who or what it is it doesn't have a head this is why ketu is referred to as mokshakaraka or the seeker's path the one energy in us which seeks something that's why ketu is called the mokshakaraka now this is the classical interpretation okay now we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation very important to connect the bridges now here you have the rahu ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation this i have borrowed from the book light on life by robert so was an excellent book i have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it i seriously suggest that okay the north node of the moon rahu what does it become because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts what does rahu lead to in the modern context rahu is responsible for originality individuality independence insight ingenuity inspiration and imagination on the positive side because rahu and ketu both love to explore foreign stuff things out of the box things not taught by tradition 
Rahu and Ketu will be anything but traditional. Okay? Think of it as something foreign to the culture, to the way you are taught things. Looking for original stuff. If there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that we keep modernizing, so to speak, thinking out of the box, it is this. That's why it's important to pay attention to this. Okay, back to this. So Rahu on the downside becomes leads to confusion, escapism, neurosis, psychosis, deception, addiction, vagueness, illusion and delusion. This is the downside. Now how this plays out and why we'll have to see individually in the charts. We will see that. Okay. Ketu. Ketu, the guy with only the body, no head there, is gives us the feeling of universality, impressionability, idealism, intuition, compassion, spirituality, self-sacrifice, subtleness on the positive side. On the downside, it can lead to eccentricity, fanaticism, explosiveness, violence, unconventionality, amorality, iconoclasm, impulsiveness and emotional tensions. This is on the downside. This is what it plays out and Rahu Ketu is typically an axis like it is shown over there, right? Rahu Ketu, let me remove myself for the time being from that axis, okay? There you are. So you see it as an axis, okay? 180 degrees apart. And it can play out in any one of the opposite houses. It can play out in 1, 7, 2, 8, 3, 9, 4, 10, etc, etc. We will see that later. But this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life, in your different houses, are you looking for these two aspects? And they are always opposite to each other, as you can see. Okay, to stand opposite to each other. So if it plays out in second house, it detaches itself from the eighth house. If Rahu is in second house, it, Ketu will be in the eighth house. You see what I mean? And so you will bring the eighth house aspect with these aspects shown here. Second house with that aspect shown over there. Of course, it plays out with something called as dispositors. We shall see that next. Now, if you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers. It has no meaning of its own. It shows the disposition. And what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor and the lunar aspect is the nakshatra which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? The solar or the dispositor means since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own. Remember it's a virtual node. It is not a planet. They both do not have any planetary characteristic individually so they take on the identity or the disposition of the lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that lord sits in suppose mercury is in the third house okay and rahu sits in the house of mercury somewhere else so it will borrow the attributes of mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house wherever rahu is sitting in got it Nakshatras. Since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own, individually they take on the shade of personality. Nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality. It's coloring of a personality. It's seeing the world through different colored glasses. 
that they sit in and borrow the nakshatra traits and attributes which color their propensities so rahu and ketu do two things at the same time at the solar level it goes with the dispositor that is all of the planets physical planets mercury mars venus sun moon so on so they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting if it sits in rahu sits in cancer it will you have to look for where moon is sitting which house and what it is doing there and even the moon nakshatra if it is sitting in leo rahu in leo that means it you have to look for where sun is sitting and which nakshatra and which house so it will bring those attributes that's the way you have to analyze this okay let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why and there are some vital aspects that you keep, need to keep in mind when evaluating rahu and ketu because this is important for, especially for people who are sort of looking for self development to understand where they are coming from if you're not interested in changing yourself this entire channel is useless for you but if the other one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life where do i need to go what are my talents and you question these kinds of things excuse the noise somebody is drilling about so then you need to understand these aspects now that's the typical chart indian chart and house numbers are depicted as 1 2 3 4 up till 12 dharma artha kama moksha is there and i have stuck rahu ketu as possible axis on the 17 that is aries and libra that is the top and the bottom so either it can go to house number 1 or 7 rahu ketu can be reversed it's okay it doesn't matter or in 4 and 10 now 1 4 7 and 10 in vedic astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are that define how you operate in life throughout life so these become crucial why the 1 7 axis affects if rahu and ketu fall on there has a direct effect on your self and other concept one and seven is self and other how you re- relate to yourself and how you relate look at the world around you as others including the spouse because seventh house is the house of the spouse but also others so how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others so it defines who you are in a very broad sense one seven axis of rahu ketu the fourth ten on the other hand fourth house being the house of the mother tenth being father fourth being home tenth being career you see this has a you know all kinds of implications which define who you are the fourth ten axis has effects on the heart versus mind mind wants is the one who goes out there in the world and being used in the career right you dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world heart is your home your home center where you feel comfortable home is where the heart is that kind of a thing so heart and home is affected by this rahu ketu axis again rahu and ketu might be reversed rahu might be in the fourth ketu might be in the tenth or vice versa same way with one and seven but these are the vital relating aspects of rahu and ketu now what about the rest of the houses now rest of the houses are called trikona or kona in sanskrit right these are the things that come and go in your life let it be second house third house fifth house sixth eighth ninth eleventh the twelfth these are the things that come and go in our life through life through your entire life these are things that are added into subtracted from us but this is not us 147 and 10 is us everything else is secondary which revolves around you as life comes and goes all other axes 
depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life. That's all it is. They are less significant in terms of Rahu and Ketu when compared to 1, 7, 4 and 10 axis of Rahu and Ketu. Please remember this. When you are evaluating, you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others. Rahu is attachment, Ketu is detachment. Rahu is expansion, Ketu is reduction. And they stand opposite to each other all this. Right? Now let's take the cases one by one. So let us begin the Pada analysis. Now we have Rahu in the fourth Pada of Anuradha Nakshatra. So we will take Rahu through the journey of all four Padas of Anuradha Nakshatra in Scorpio. And Ketu will transit on the other side of the axis from Rohini through Taurus basically from Rohini to Kritika Nakshatra. Now you might have noticed a trend here if you are following all these studies. Whenever I stick Rahu and take it through one particular nakshatra, the other side Ketu will be going to through typically two separate nakshatras or two separate zodiac sign or and nakshatras, right? This should tell you that what we bring to the table as we go through the padas, through life these people will have different kind of abilities come forth to them. Ketu is typically of this is how Ketu tries to remember past lives through age and maturity. This is how people change through age. In the beginning phase of life, they will be like, okay, this and this is happening of a certain knowledge, of a certain propensity, of a certain kind of intelligence, certain kind of where the intelligence wants to go and shine, that kind of a thing. First part of life. Well, the second part of life, it just flips. It goes to another side. That's what it should tell you. Okay. <clears throat> so the fourth pada of Anuradha Nakshatra is as Scorpio as it can get because it is Natal Scorpio, Navamsha Scorpio and Ketu on the other side in Artha pada of Rohini is as Taurus as it can get. It's Taurus in Natal, Taurus in Navamsha. This kind of a situation where it is in same zodiac sign in Natal and Namamsha is called Vargottama in Vedic Astrology. Meaning, the energy is very, very strong. Okay, And if you place Rahu and Ketu in this axis, what does Rahu and Ketu want? They are unconventional fellows. Okay, Both sides. One wants to be detached in Rohini Nakshatra, meaning it wants to be detached in Taurus, meaning you have to see the dispositor Venus, meaning wherever Venus is sitting and whatever strengths it is actually providing you, whatever talents you have, like arts, creativity, Venus, you tend to ignore it, although you'll be very good at it. This is the illusion of Ketu. And on the other side, Rahu doesn't have much of a stuff, but he wants to achieve. Rahu is a headless guy. Okay, well, he's a bodiless head. So, he wants to go out there and achieve at all costs. That is Rahu. And in Anuradha Nakshatra, it does not do very well because Anuradha is what? Now, we've got to talk about the themes of Anuradha. Anuradha is about devotion of love. Anuradha wants to feel love. Anuradha wants to feel sexual orgasm. Anuradha wants to feel the connection with the partner. It is following Radha. It is the partner of Krishna. So in the theme of Radha, she ultimately became devoted to Krishna. It's the transcendence of 
sexual energy into spiritual energy it is very deeply scorpio and in that fourth pada it is extremely scorpio in nature so rahu here will tend to get explore or become obsessive about love about relationships about having many many sexual partners depending upon where mars is placed because mars rules that scorpio right mars is the dispositor first order of business is always the dispositor <clears throat> so depending upon where mars is placed this rahu can get very very intensely obsessed about love love as in man to a woman or your partners whatever the preference is so it becomes obsessive about that it wants to have unconventional style of relationships these days you see all kinds of different styles of relationships unconventional style they might want to explore deeper sides of unconventional type of sexuality imagine that so this is where this kind of a rahu ketu comes in right so this can become very intensely emotional because rahu wants to explore it in the external world rahu is not interested in spiritual satisfaction or going in the heart it is interested in finding things in the external world while rahu is always the hunter it hunts for it's what it wants to achieve depending upon which nakshatra which zodiac and that's what journey we are taking okay so that's what the first fourth pada does very intensely scorpio on one side and very detached from material stuff rohini what is rohini about rohini about material achievement rohini is about beauty these people taurus is now we are looking at dispositor called venus Taurus is ruled by Venus, but Taurus is a very grounded sign. These people might be very good-looking, physically charming, but they might be detached from it. So I know I'm good-looking. I'm not bothered too much about it. I want to go and find love. That's that access. But you need your Ketu talents wherever Venus is placed in your chart in order to achieve what the Mars wants to achieve in Scorpio. Mars will assist that Rahu. in achieving whatever it needs to achieve that's the way you got to look at it let us see pada 3 so in the third pada we are moved in the navamsha part from aries libra still always remember the natal chart rules so you got to look at mars where it's placed look at where its venus is placed the venus part of it you'll be detached from the mars part of it you'll be attached to whatever mars wants to do Rahu will want to amplify that, want to go after it. Now, but in Navamsha, this transits from Scorpio to Libra, so the, the dispositor changes to Venus in Navamsha for Rahu. Whereas on the other side, Ketu goes from Venus back to Mars, so it's the flip of Mars and Venus. So this kind of a uh, person wherever this rahu ketu is placed in that area they will tend to flip they will tend to change sides first half of life they might be very emotional very driven by mars and then detached to uh, the venus part of it means they might have less sensitivity they might be more action oriented later half of life they might be more action oriented less sensitivity see how this plays out is very interesting So you got to see the dispositor where it's placed, and I am also stuck in the table there, right? I have stuck in the table of dispositor and friends and enemies. That matters a lot. Sometimes they don't do well either. Sometimes it is debilitated. 
So have a look at that. Next, let's see Pada 2. So in the second Pada, it goes from Scorpio to Virgo, as you can see marked in the arrow over there, right over there, right? And Moksha Pada, it goes from Taurus to Spices. So we are seeing a switch between Virgo and Pisces, right? So what is a Virgo and Pisces energy? Virgo and Pisces is about wanting material gain or wanting emotional content out of it. Wanting to gain everything in the material world, wanting to gain everything in the emotional world. These are the opposite axes of Pisces and Virgo, right? 6 and 12. Now, as you can see, this axis over there, the Mars in Scorpio, you got to see where the Mars is placed. But Scorpio here wants to do more in terms of practicality. The Scorpio here becomes practical going into Virgo later on in life. Ketu, on the other hand, is detached from Venus, but later on, it gains wisdom through life, but it, wisdom is in the background. Wisdom is not very visible. Ketu is always like in the background, somewhere in the shadow. It's not very visible. You need to make it visible through the energy of Rahu. Ketu needs to move towards Rahu. This is why I indicate this arrow like this. Ketu from here moving into Rahu over there. That's the only way to solve this practically. Otherwise, you'll be stuck in one or the other parts. Also, what you see now, Anuradha has moved on the Ketu side, it has moved to Kritika Nakshatra. Scorpio is still with Taurus, so there is a push and pull of material to emotional. However, in this case, it is going into Kritika Nakshatra. Now, Kritika Nakshatra has got the power of Agni, so there is a very fiery energy to this. Kritika is ruled by Agni lot of fire the Pleiades so in this case I could put it this way that the wisdom from the past life needs to be brought understood and it needs to be brought in a practical manner later in life for this Scorpio that will work best for this Rahu Ketu axis this kind of approach will work best they need to study through their past lives. They need to dig that deep emotions. Okay. Now let's see the first one. Now in the first pada of Anuradha, it is looking in the opposite side of Ketu in Aquarius. It's going into Kritika Nakshatra third pada and into Navamsha of Aquarius. As you can see there, this line. This representing Rahu over here and that representing Ketu over there. And that's Aquarius and that's Leo. Now as I've spoken of before, this Leo-Aquarius axis, what is it about? First it is going from Kama, going into Dharma. Meaning you have to, you are detached from some desire that you want to achieve fame. Aquarius is about masses, fame, achieving fame in the masses. And now it is going into Leo, that means you want fame for yourself. The Leo Aquarius is a father-son tussle. It's all about, should I do this for my fame, for my achievement, for my success? Look at me, look at me, look at me kind of approach. Leo, proud, leader, arrogant, narcissistic, egotistical. Aquarius is saying, no, 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 I want to do this for the masses, like the socialist, like the communist, like that kind of energy. I want to do for the greater good of the people. So Ketu, if I stick in here, what happens? I have to look at where Saturn is placed. He's the ruler of Aquarius. 
and I have to look at where Sun is because he's the ruler of uh, Leo, right? And then I have to gauge what we are trying to achieve. Why do I want to bring the energy of Saturn and fuel it to the Sun? Why do I need to use my knowledge from the past life of working with the masses and now bring it towards me becoming the leader? This would be a good approach, a more grounded approach in understanding this particular axis. Okay. Next, we will be dealing with who's the next guy on the list, Vishakha Nakshatra. So now we are entering, leaving Scorpio. There's only the fourth pada of Vishakha in Scorpio, but remaining all is Libra. So we enter the Aries Libra axis slowly, right? In the meantime, take care, be safe and have a good day.